If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. Hey gang, just wanted to give a big shout out to everyone who supports the show over on patreon.com slash witchpolice, including our latest patron, Tom. Thanks, Tom. If you want to be like Tom, and like everyone else who supports the show, head down to patreon.com slash witchpolice, and you can get access to all kinds of bonus material. You can get bonus episodes, you can get bonus videos, you can get recommendations of local music from local artists, and all kinds of fun stuff. Plus, you can feel good about supporting a completely DIY, independent local music podcast. Thanks again for all your support, and I hope you enjoy this episode. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Rich Police Radio! Rich Police Radio! Rich Police Radio! Rich Police Radio! Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Rich Police Radio! Welcome to Rich Police Radio. I'm here today with uh, two members of, uh, well, I guess we're going to talk about various projects here, but I, I think... Before I try to introduce you, maybe the best way to start this off is if the two of you want to introduce yourselves and give a bit about bit of background about what it is that you do musically. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I'm Corey Hickaway. Um, I'm in Trio Telfair, obviously, um, and I have a side project called Yawn Care, which is kind of in the same vein as Trio Telfair. And then I'm a freelance bass player, play with some bands around town, uh, Boy Golden, Mise en Scene. Lucas Roger Band and uh, Bush Lotus, which Brian also plays in, and a couple other projects that uh, come and go whenever we got the time. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I'm Brian Clark. Uh, yeah, here with uh, Trio Tell Fair. Um, my other projects include uh, Amos the Kid, All on Drums. Um, my other bands are. Uh, Tarp, which is formerly known as Heine, which is formerly known <laughs> as Heinrich's Maneuver. Okay. Uh, also, Bush Lotus, as Corey mentioned, and uh, Fast Tripper, which is the latest uh, incarnation of a previous band called uh, Umami. So you're all, you both have obviously a lot on your plates um, musically. What, uh, is there sort of a priority right now? I mean, I know, you know, we're going to talk about Trio Telfair, of course, but um, do you have sort of a, how do you juggle that, that time um, with all of those projects on, on the go? It, uh, it can be difficult, but usually um, most of the time it works out so that when one is busy, the other one usually slows down. So I'm able to make it work, but for me, uh, Boy Golden is is the priority for me because I we've just been super busy and had lots of opportunities to to tour and stuff. So sure. any chance I can get on the road, I, I try and take that. But um, yeah, it, it can be tough when when there's like this week or sorry, this month is super busy with with uh, three different bands having shows and, and learning a new set for one band and try and then we try and fit in Trio Tell Fair. We have a standing uh, standing date every Monday, 
we try and get together and record or mix, but it doesn't always work out, but usually at least like two, three weeks out of four in a month we, we make happen. And then, I mean, Brian's got a full-time job as well. But yeah. Good times. So yeah, uh, scheduling is honestly sometimes a, a great <laughs> difficulty, but uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have like the day locked down with trio, just like always knowing that like basically Mondays are there for trio, which is, probably the most committed like all, most of my other bands don't stick to a weekly thing which is what trio tries, tries to do so like honestly uh yeah like it seems like trio gets the most attention out of me and my schedule but uh usually amos the kid is uh is like next up there and then like also yeah it the ebb, kind of depend on the ebb and flow of projects being more busy or less busy so that you could devote more time here or there. Cause yeah, you can't play five bands <laughs> consistently. Of course. For <laughs> well, and I guess, I guess it's interesting too, that, that both of you are playing in these kind of much more, I don't know what the word is. I, I don't know if commercially successful is the word, but more like sort of a, wider appeal to a wider audience i mean all of these projects you're in sure. have kind of wide appeal whereas trio tell fair is, is is a little weirder i think <laughs> it maybe has more of a niche audience um what is that like is that does that kind of why this has lasted as sort of a committed thing because you can you can kind of ex take those experimental that experimental side of what you do and then kind of exercise I, that yeah. absolutely I, I feel like the having a creative outlet <clears throat> is super important for me personally to because a lot of the bands I'm playing in there, I'm like, I do get to be creative and play my own parts and write parts, but it's mostly working within like a structure of the band and a, a style of music. And like, you have more, you're like less wiggle room in terms of what you're doing. And with Trio Tell Fair and Yawn Care, there's, there's none of that. We just do whatever feels right. And so it's, it can be really freeing to have that outlet. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, I think it's important definitely important for me personally to have that outlet yeah is i guess i mean i'm trying to think of what the most i think probably the high, highest profile thing that the trio tell fair has done that people might recognize is that um event at the uh, human rights museum a few years back and yeah. i think i mean obviously you know it's, it's been it's been a project for for a while before that but maybe what is the best way to define what it is that you do? Because I think it's, uh, you know, like we've sort of hinted at, it's it's a little experimental and and uh, different and kind of stream of consciousness sort of sound. Um, how do you define it? Uh, yeah, I think like Trio has always been like without def any defining characters, which is exactly like how I think we we enjoy it to be. For a while when we were a younger band, we would basically... Sometimes there would be people that would come to us with a specific vibe in mind for a show. So, and that's when we were comfortable, like going out and playing live gigs, completely improvised. And we'll be like, okay, let's do something scary for this Halloween show. And so we would just like make up something spooky. And, uh, and then, you know, there'd be like other times where, you know, like the high human rights museum, like we never played music like that before we got into that building so it was just like or since yeah, yeah. or since <laughs> and actually i think that's a really important element that i kind of that we hadn't mentioned yet is that everything at its core with chiotel fair is improvised and generally recorded live and i think that's that's i guess would have be how i define it for like mostly is that it's just improvised and it's all 
yeah, nothing kind of premeditated aside from maybe like the energy or the vibe that we're feeling that day right. when we like pick out sounds before we jam. But other than that, the music is all written in the moment. Mm-hmm. So we, that, that naturally each of these is a one-off then, right? Each performance is, is going to be kind of a unique experience. It's going to be different music. Yeah. It's going to be different, a different vibe probably. And, and people are going to get the same thing more than once, even if they want to. Yeah, exactly. And even even for us, even if we want to, we, we have tried to relearn uh, some of our jams that we've done for live shows. And it, it's tough because like sometimes those little mistakes you make in the moment that aren't your like natural thing you would play are, are what make the song and trying to recreate it when you recreate it just doesn't have the same kind of energy. It, feel, it, it feels forced or yeah. something like that. Is there sort of a structure? I mean, there's, there's not a structure like you just said, but is there sort of a structure to how you guys jam at this point? Like just after having done this for, for, for as long as you have, do you have, is there sort of a format you sort of naturally go into when it comes to um, making these pieces? I think there there is, but I don't know if we've ever actually never really vocalized, vocalized it. it or talked about it. There's like communication that happens and like the the, the more serious we've gotten, the more like, the play the people that are playing melodic instruments we do have to be conscious of like oh what key are you in or what if someone just starts playing a chord progression you try not to talk so you can't it can't be heard in the jam so you try and just like watch or if or listen and figure it out but um yeah that's an interesting question i haven't really thought about how like i guess there are natural things that we do yeah like we've been playing together so long if brian does a certain thing I can kind of tell where he's going to go with it yeah. and then I'll try to like yeah. predict that. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it works out great. And then we go somewhere that we would never have been able to achieve just thinking about it beforehand. We had to like jam to get ourselves there. Yeah. And like thinking back to like the old days when we actually lived in Telfer house, it would be like us sitting in the basement and, you know, maybe somebody sitting there with a guitar and they're playing a little like, little riff or something and then all of a sudden they're like hey you know what uh, like i'm gonna plug in plugs in and starts playing the riff and it's like oh okay i'm gonna go sit on my drum set and then you sit down there and then okay Corey picks up his bass yeah. and then all of a sudden we're like playing you know basement suite or like whatever yeah. Yeah. like thing is just like okay yeah that's an album now yeah so it's like it's not always like a, a other than like spontaneity we kind of rely on that a lot for like oh somebody's just like playing something and then you just like you don't have to say anything you like you have enough musical knowledge and vocabulary to be able to be like okay i know i know what to do yeah yeah no that's that's really cool we as we've been also like brian and i are like the main rhythm section on almost all of trio telfair stuff and daniel diamond plays drums along with brian on a lot of it but we've also been very lucky to have like really really talented lead players like guitar or keyboard players that we kind of just like set a foundation and let them do whatever they want to do on top of it. And then Brian and I kind of lead where the jam goes. And then if you have someone as talented as like Micah Ehrenberg or Scotty Petrowski that are the guys that played on a lot of the early stuff, like they, you can, if you just give them something to, to groove on, they can go off and then, feel it out when we make a change and i feel like that's kind of like part of the structure of what we did back then especially
Well, with um, not, not not to dwell too much on the um, on the, the Human Rights Museum show, but just because just thinking about that and being part of the jazz festival, obviously a lot of what you're describing has similarities with with you know more experimental types of jazz, more avant-garde uh, you know types of jazz. Do you feel like you fit in with that at all, or do you feel like this is something different that just sort of uses some of the same techniques? Uh, I think it like. I, yeah, jazz is hard to define. Like if you're, we're talking about like jazz tonally, like sure, we're maybe not a jazz band, but I full, I like full heartedly feel like we are a jazz band in terms of our like ideology and our approach to music. Like I think the way you can like define jazz is like, it's a process. It's not so much like it, what it sounds like in your ear. It's more of like, how are the musicians relating to each other and how is the, music being formed. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that truly defines what jazz is. So like in that context, I feel like we're, we're right in there. Yeah. Even though it might not sound like it for most of our music, like the, the way that we approach it is fully jazz. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. I like that idea of being ideologically jazz, but not sonically jazz. It's a, it's a thing, right? There, there are lots of types of music where that, that is, you take from that that kind of experimental nature of it, and and the, just what you were saying earlier too about you know playing off each other and and knowing when changes are happening just from from experience you know playing music together and stuff. That's all, I think, part of the same sort of continuum of of what jazz is. I agree. What was the um, reaction like at that show? Because you're you're playing the jazz festival, big marquee event, so presumably the fans there who are there to see all the different artists are, are jazz aficionados, right? Like, what, what, what did they think of when they saw I, your... It was, it was hard to tell oh, because yeah. we were we weren't necessarily on, on a stage. I think, like, it was, like, a main stage area where Brian Blade mm -hmm. and... Brian Blade and the Fellowship. Yeah, yeah. they played. And there, I, I, Josh Redman, I think, also yeah. played there. And then we were kind of, like, a, like a auxiliary part that you, we, you would walk away from the main stage and we were in the hall of hope right at the bottom. So there wasn't really anybody in front of us that we could see. They were all above us. Oh, okay. And where I was seated, I couldn't see them. You could probably yeah. see them from where I could were, see but... a couple people, but it like, it honestly, it was great. Cause it felt like us in the jam room. Like yeah. we were just alone in this big, amazing sounding hall that just made us sound huge. And we were able to just kind of let go of the crowd and just like, be like in our jam room again, just experimenting and not really feel the pressure of like a crowd. Um, and then, yeah, like because the crowd wasn't as like uh, involved in the show specifically, because people were probably walking by or only hearing yeah. it through echoes in the in the building. Like it was like, yeah, we didn't get a whole lot of feedback. Yeah. Um, like there was a handful of people that like was there for us specifically, like Jen Dirksen, for example. Yeah. Like they loved it. So you know, there's there's always a handful of people that were like, "That's sick," and that's honestly <laughs> what we're, yeah. we're here for. We don't need like thousands of people to see us, even though there was like a thousand there people a in people, the yeah. other room right down the hall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I know they heard it, and like I don't know, hope they like it or yeah. hope they. <laughs> Or at least made them think or something. Yeah, I was actually kind of nervous for that show because I don't, I don't like, I don't play jazz. I, I've never learned how to play yeah. jazz, and I just like, like I, I not, not that I felt like we needed mm -hmm. to be jazz to justify mm -hmm. being there, but I just like, 
at moments felt like, oh, there's gonna be a bunch of like jazz fans here. Yeah. They're like, I'm not, I can't play jazz, but we just did what we what we did, and it worked out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, that maybe kind of leads into another question then about, um, you know, like you said right at the beginning, a lot of what this is, is you're recording these live performances wherever they're happening, whether it's in your jam space or, or for example, at the Human Rights Museum, that one I know is on your band camp and stuff too. What is sort of the ideal way to experience this? Would you rather have people watching you do this live or do you think that they can get the same uh, impact, I guess, from, from, from a recorded version of it? That's a good question. That's a good question. Like... I think in the past it would have been seeing it live, but just being the, in a basement. In yeah. House, yeah. And but. cause that's where we were most comfortable, but like, there's kind of been like in the last two, three years, our, our process and sound has kind of changed with the, the new gear and the new space that we have. And I feel like the best experience is listening to, to the records. Cause I, especially the, the most recent, three or four have all are all our best work, I think. And they represent what, what we want it to sound like. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is different from the live jam. It's like live jam is the basis of the song, but there's extra production that we've done and extra mixing that we've done that kind of make it the optimal experience to hear it. Hopefully one day we'll be able to repeat that live mm -hmm. and we're working on that, but yeah. it's a slow process. Yeah. I think I think it's like that's one of the things that I really enjoy about uh, Trio Tell Fair that I find um, hard while making music with other projects is um, a lot of times the songs you hear from other bands that I'm in or like in general for a lot of people recording music is like you're trying to replicate a, a moment you had in the jam space when you were writing a song for the first time like trying to hit this solo or like make this change or like uh, whatever riff you're trying to do is like that first time you hit it in the jam space is like an ultimate feeling. Yeah. And sometimes in the recording process, when you're trying to recreate that, it's, it's lost a little bit, but with what we do with trio is like, you're hearing us discovering this music for the first time and creating it. And it's like, I feel like that's just like such a magical mu musical thing that uh that we're able to preserve by like having these be our like our first moments through these musical movements it's like you're able to like hear us truly create this thing rather than like it's uh you know it's a approximation of a moment that we had in the past with some other music you know like you're hearing the moment yeah, I like that. It's not, it's, not, it's not like the 19th time you've rehearsed the same part to make sure you get it right. This is the actual, the experience is happening in real time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, and like I was saying earlier, it's it's sometimes impossible to recreate that. Yeah. And I, so, sometimes we're able to do that. Like, we had a couple live shows where they were really good. There's yeah. a couple on Bandcamp, like yeah. Live at the Legion, which is, like, an amazing show. And we, like, we did really well there, but, like, I mean, we've played a couple other live shows that are not on Bandcamp. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's like, I feel like anything that's on Bandcamp is like the way we want you to listen to it. Yeah. And if we're able to like get out there and play a show eventually, like, yeah, come to that too. Cause, oh, I think it'll be entertaining. But like for now, I think there's, there's so many great moments and great music that we've come up with that's just like, sitting out there in, in the atmosphere waiting for people to listen to it so do you have a, an archive of, of recorded stuff that's not going to see the light of day like do you, are you recording literally everything you do oh yeah oh yeah and we actually there's there's a folder on on the true to fair hard drive that uh 
that has actually a couple weeks ago, Brian and I were looking through it. And I think there's, there's gotta be at least like 50 just full like session recordings that have like two to three 20 minute jams on them that are just really bad or there's, they're so old that this bad's not the right word. They're just not what we feel is something we'd want to put out. Yeah. It's just not the right vibe or whatever. And, but uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, there's somewhere it's just, it's just not good or, or we just don't, we've, we've moved past the sound of a lot of it. And I feel like it's just, it's like a lot of it's from 2014, 2015, where it's like, I don't even know if I want to put that out anymore because yeah. it just doesn't sound like the yeah. stuff that we're able to achieve now. So we'll just keep it for ourselves to to giggle yeah. over when we listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> I think most of our like back catalog, we've for the most part like gone through and picked out the good stuff, and like maybe eventually down the line there might be like another like oh here's some trio oldies B sides or something. But yeah, I feel like we're we have so much material like we're consistently jamming every week and making more, adding to this like backlog that's going to keep expanding so to like go even further back and try and <laughs> dig into that is like uh ain't nobody got time for that yeah, it's, it's actually overwhelming how how much music we're sitting on right now of like recent stuff that we're really excited about yeah. that uh that we're that probably won't be able to put out for yeah. the next year or so but yeah. we've at least got an, an album or two yeah. maybe three in the yeah. hopper that are that are sitting there ready to go. Awesome. Well, not sitting there ready to go. We just yeah, gotta finish mixing. Much. But like, there's one that's like basically ready to go, and a couple yeah. others that's like picked out. Okay, these are gonna be the songs, and then I mean, it, more than a couple. There's yeah. probably like yeah, we got a lot of music that's that can be released in the next one. Yeah. So what's um? I, I guess that maybe is a good segue into what's in the cards for the near future. I mean, do you have um music that's expected to be coming out within the next few months? Yeah, in the next. It just we just got to finish mastering it. We just finished mixing. Uh, it's going to be called Electrocoma. Okay. It's a little album uh, that, in in the similar vein of the last two albums we released, that we all all of the tracks ended up being recorded on the same day from the same session, and we kind of noticed this pattern where we have, you know, maybe two or three jams of stuff where there's maybe like one or two songs, and there's one day where every jam we are able to take something from. And that, that is this one that's about to come out. Or I guess four, four of the five tracks are all from the same day. Um, and yeah, we're really excited about it. It's our definitely our most different sounding yep. uh, record that we've done, even like compared to everything else we've put out. Cool. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So that should be out hopefully early October. We'll have a date soon. Cool. Yeah. And then as far as your other stuff, I mean, again, I know you're both in a million projects, but do you have anything uh, upcoming or recent that you want to highlight from those projects? I know Yon Care released something relatively recently. Yeah, I can't remember the date, but I think it was July I put out uh, Unlo Unlimited Space, which was a record that I've been sitting on for, been needing to get out for quite a while, and I finally put it out, and been been stoked to have that out. Um, other than that, some... Uh, Boy Golden tour coming out, or Boy Golden just released um, for Jimmy, which is a record we recorded uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, really proud of that. That just came out, and so we're returning that in the fall. Cool. Other than that, it's about it for me. Yeah. Um, next up on the docket is, I guess, like Bush Lotus is oh, we're yeah. playing uh, Harvest Mill. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, uh, 
So that's uh, that's the last of the Bush Lotus booked gigs. We've also played uh, Rainbow Trout this past summer. Um, and then after that, for me, um, Tarp, a.k.a. Heine, a.k.a. Heinrich's Maneuver, <laughs> is soup stock. Okay. So like yes. back going back to the old stomping grounds there. Uh, that'll be really fun going with those guys. Um, so yeah, that's that's I think those two gigs are basically like the next uh, the next two things for me. And then Amos is a little bit of a break right now. And then we're probably gonna like look forward to like writing some new stuff. Amos yeah. in the next uh, before Christmas ish, we're gonna get together, start start uh, jamming again weekly. Cool. There's a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. You have a lot of projects on the go.
if, if someone is hearing about Trio Telfair for the first time on this show, or if they already know who you are and they want to, you know, follow what's happening with new releases, upcoming shows, hearing old stuff, what's the best way to, to follow you online? Bandcamp yeah. slash, yeah. slash uh, Instagram, I guess. Like, our Instagram isn't super active. Kind we of pop silly. in and out every once in a while. Yeah, pop in and out. But yeah, but yeah honestly, just go to Bandcamp and start listening. Yeah, cool. Bandcamp, and we're on Spotify, has most of our newer releases. Yeah. But if you want the whole back catalog, yeah. triotelfair.bandcamp.com. T-E-L-F-A-E-R. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Young Care is on Bandcamp and on uh, Spotify and all the streaming services as well. Awesome. As is Amy. Spotify. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's the, yeah. the future, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> are there any, I know you have a lot of releases uh, with, with True Tell Fair. Are there any, um, are they all digital only? Like, are they all uh, just streaming, or do you have physical releases of some of them? We've never put out a physical release. It's something we've been meaning to put out a cassette, and we're just waiting for the right time. We're going to have some cassettes one of these days, yeah. but we've just, we've, we've always just done it so DIY yeah. and, uh, low effort isn't yeah. the right word but it's kind of the right vibe like yeah. we kind of just like put it on spotify or yeah. sorry put it on Bandcamp, yeah and without ever thinking anybody would ever hear it yeah. and so mm -hmm. just kind of yeah. kept it up with that it'd be different if we like played live shows a lot where we could be there selling tapes of course but, like yeah uh, yeah unless uh unless someone's really die hard they're not gonna like seek us out for a physical 